special technique. Special technique of shadow boxing. out 
by John Pascal uh, in uh, 2017. Uh, so uh, he you know, also you know, went into this fight with uh, just one fight in 2018. But, of course, uh, you know, you would say that Viali had been, you know, the much fresher fighter going into this particular fight. And uh, for this, uh, this was the uh, third fight in the uh, particular fight card. Um, you know, it, it seemed like a, uh, a bad uh, matchup there uh, on Alan Green's part. I would say that, you know, you would have uh, El Bialy out there going up against a guy that's much older. Uh, you know, it was supposed to be a uh, fight there at um, was it a fight at uh, super middleweight, but well, I mean not a super middleweight, but a light heavyweight. Excuse me, as a weight limit for light heavyweight is 175 pounds. Um, El Bialy came in at the weight at 175 pounds. Uh, Alan Green came in three pounds overweight, so he was you know overweight. Um, he looked, you know, kind of uh, a little bit uh, soft there um, and just was not into this particular fight. Uh, so, you know, for for me to, you know, see uh, Alan Green in there, um, it was, you know, well, I would say uh, it was like around 38 years old, uh, going up against uh, 39 years old, actually, uh, going against someone that is 10 years uh, his junior, um, and like I said, the much virtual fighter, this was, you know, a, a bad thing uh, from the jump. Um, you kind of seen that um, kind of seen that in the first round, Alan Green getting caught with a good number of, um, you know, a good number of right hands early in the fight. Uh, so, that was that was pretty much a uh, signa, you know, signified uh, where Alan Green was at this particular point of his career, and then uh, in the first round he got uh, knocked down uh, there, and it was a uh, you know pretty uh, significant knockdown uh, there in the first round, and then you know it kind of like proceeded to you know be on the downhill for Alan Green from there. Uh, as, you know, Ahmed Elbiali continued the uh, pressure on Alan Green in the second round. And, you know, in the second round, he uh, scored another knockdown where uh, he hit, Elbiali hit Alan Green, and Alan Green just pro- proceeded to just fall down to the canvas uh, his you know, legs just gave out under him, uh, and then, you know, the uh, count uh, by referee Sharon Sands uh, proceeded there, and he was able to get up, um, but he just, you know, really didn't, you know, look like he was wanted to really continue. Uh, but he told he told the referee that he did, and um, you know, I guess, uh, you know, with that. You you kind of see that um, it was just going to be you know more of the same. He was able to get to the end of the second round. He, they had the doctors checking up on him uh, there. Um, you know, had the doctors checking up on him, 
uh, and they had like a little bit of extra time, it seemed, uh, there, you know, before it started the third round. Um, you know, before the uh, start of the third round, but it, um, you know, they were able to have him continue on. And so uh, once that went down, then you had Alan Green get knocked down for a third time in the third round, and uh, the fight got stopped from there. So El Biali gets the win over Alan Green to go 18-1. and one. Uh, Right now I have um, caller in live, 813. What's going on with you? Hey, what's up, Jay? This is uh, Troy calling from Tampa. Once again, just glad to uh, get involved with yet a new year uh, and talk about new things within the sport of boxing. Uh, so much has changed from last year in regard to the landscape of boxing, promotion opportunities, TV deals, things like that. Alignment has changed, but but at the core of uh, the core of everything, boxing is still boxing. Two opponents in the ring at one time, only them. So, but once again, just a lot to talk about going into a new year. Very excited about it as well. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And, um, you know, my thing is that, you know, we had like a few uh, new things uh, go on over the course of uh, the past few weeks um, in reference to, you know, significant fights happening or, you know, possibly happening. Uh, But, you know, right now we, you know, are getting into, you know, the thick of things here with um, the boxing scene and all of that. Uh, we have, like, right now live on uh, Fox Sports 1, a uh, fight card. Um, you know, I was just talking about the thing with uh, Alan Green. Uh, they're getting knocked out by Ahmed Elbiali um, in the third round. And, you know, we had a couple of fights uh, before that, including uh, former unified champion Guillermo Rigondeaux, uh being uh, signed with, uh, you know, Premier Boxing Champions and now has a uh, new trainer, uh, there um, uh, in his corner uh, there with uh, Ronnie Shields. And so um, you were able to see him uh, in the fight there on Fox Sports 1 where he was able to score a first-round knockout. Um, and he kind of like looked like he was changing things up a little bit. Instead of, you know, being the defensive guy that he has been known for, he was coming forward uh, against his opponent and, you know, trying to work the body and uh, things like that. Um, against Giovanni Delgado um, and ended up uh, scoring the uh, knockout at the end of the first round. Yeah, I didn't get to catch that, but uh, definitely uh, saw that uh, fight on Friday on uh, Showbox with uh, Devin Haney. I'm not sure if he have you covered that yet. Uh, but he, that's that's uh, I, even with Devin, Devin Haney. You recall I, I spoke to you last year about so who is this kid? Because I'd never heard him at that at this point. Uh, so real quick about him, he's actually self-promoted, turned pro when he was 16, 17, went down to Tijuana, had his first fight down there, and, and, and pretty much has self-promoted himself to the point where he's at right now. So he's a name within the sport, uh, trying to rise from that prospect to contender status, uh, likely looking to get a title shot this year. Uh, mm-hmm. Great-looking kid, great-looking kid. I like his style, not too much flash, uh, good power, He's he's a he's a deputy, I would say probably a slick boxer with some good power, but 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 just my my did some research on the kid to find out that he promoted himself to this point and where he basically refused uh, to be signed by top promoters, I give the kid a lot of credit. And that's probably due to some industry inside knowledge probably from 
uh, Mayweather uh, in, in regards to advising him not to sign with a big motor who's going to take a big part of that money where he can keep that money for himself and do self-promotion. Uh, and you, you know, in this day and age, you can do just about anything to get famous on YouTube, Instagram, or, or whatever social media network, and why not do it in a positive method and promote yourself and promote your band, brand? And that's straight what he's done. And here he is, uh, headline cards on Showbox, like I said, looking to get a, a title opportunity. But even with the PBC, uh, just once again, they just continue to sign people. They just signed, uh, I'm trying to think someone, if I just uh, read about it a couple of days ago, so I'm sure we'll cover that shortly. But, but the ring doubt doesn't surprise me. Uh, he needs to find a home because, you know, the past several years he's been, uh, I think, more out as uh, some some uh, small company down in uh, Miami, something like that, who never really done quite that much with him uh, prior to and even past the uh, Logan Chico fight. They never did, never really did a whole lot with him. So he has a home. Good for him. Yeah. Um, you know, with the two things there, like you were saying, uh, Devin Haney, who, you know, did have his uh, fight on Friday night um, against Zolisani Don Jenny in uh, Shreveport. Uh, you know, it was something to where he, you know, was trying to, you know, get his, you know, get himself in an improved status to contend for, you know, a lightweight championship uh, later on down the line. Hopefully, he hopes to, you know, try to get it in uh, 2019. But, you know, I'm not sure if that's going to, you know, be the case there. He still probably has a little bit of uh, work, you know, things that he has to go through uh, for him to be positioned, uh, especially in the lightweight division that, you know, has, uh, Jose Pedraza there, um, you know Vasilomachenko, who is a unified champion uh, there at the w, with the WBA and WBO belt, actually uh, with his recent win over Pedraza, and you know now we have to see what happens with the uh, WBC and IBF belts uh, there. But you know Devin Haney's you know floating around in the rankings for uh, most of those. Um, you know, organizations. So we'll have to see where he's going to be uh, put in position uh, before uh, we see where he's going to get that next title shot. Um, and with uh, Guillermo Rigondeaux, uh, you know, we're just seeing here uh, what he could do with uh, Ronnie Shields as his uh, trainer and see if he's going to get those opportunities um, that he was, you know, trying to ask for uh, in his first run before, you know, having his first professional loss against uh, Lomachenko. So we're going to see, you know, what he's going to be able to do. Uh, he's, I guess, trying to campaign once again in the super bantamweight division. Uh, so uh, we'll see what happens uh, there with all of that. Um, you know, they had like uh, one fight also, um, the opening fight with um, – Lindolfo Delgado against Sergio Lopez, where Delgado was able to just, you know, blast uh, Sergio Lopez, who was a late addition, uh, for a uh, third-round knockout uh, or third-round stoppage victory there. So, um, you know, we're pretty much going to see what happens uh, with uh, Delgado um, as he moves to 8-0. Uh, but, you know, found it like um, – Kind of weird there how they were like talking about him being a you know late scratch or or finding a, a uh, someone that had to be in there uh, as a last minute addition um, to see if they could you know try to continue his uh, 
you know, knockout streak, which he was, you know, able to do. But uh, we have, you know, coming up uh, later on is, you know, the fight here between Uz Katagui and Caleb Plant, where, you know, this is uh, Caleb Plant's first uh, opportunity at a world championship. Uh, what's your thoughts about this fight uh, before it comes up here on Fox Sports 1? Yeah, we we know uh, we definitely talk about this category quite quite a few times uh, on the show, uh, dating back to when he was fighting Drill and was pretty much dominating that action within that fight. Uh, trying to think of all the events that happened within there, basically being the crap out of Drill. Uh, the fight should have been stopped. I think there was a low blow or something like that, or whatever. But I mean, I mean, eventually what happened? Drill's cornerman got came in the ring. And plus the category point that fight, I think was a disqualification for that fight. Uh, I forgot. I'm sure you're correct on the that fight, but uh, he didn't yeah. get the title then, even though he could have. And then going forward, they, they fought in a rematch, and once again he didn't finally beat Thrill and took that title. And that's where we are here. And this person that I think said, "Well, yeah, this is his first defense." So, so really the the question on, on his category now is he legitimate? Is he a legitimate person that's been around for a while? Uh, even with uh, Caleb Plant, this is his first title defense. Uh, I think he comes in at 17 and 0, 10 knockouts, something like that. So he's more more of a defensive guy. So at this point, uh, but but it's kind of I was looking at some pictures. Sometimes and Brad knows just pictures. Plant looks strong. He's he's definitely in shape for this fight. He is really in shape for this fight, which I appreciate a fighter standing in shape uh, and and being dedicated dedicated to the sport of boxing and make sure you're, you're available for your opportunity when he comes up. But sometimes maybe a late replacement, or you you have, you have the luxury of going through your camp and getting get into this form now. So it's going to be an yeah. uh, interesting matchup. But like I said, really, his category is he here to stay, or change plan? Uh, does he relish this opportunity and go and grab that belt from his category? So, uh, and one guy's like six one six two, and and change uh, plan six six one. So not a really big uh, de- deficit in terms of size and stuff like that. Uh, probably want to get a power edge to his category. His category also is also the more of uh, active fighter in terms of punch off foot stuff like that. So once again, Caleb Plant kind of known for defense. So we'll we'll see how that matches up. Yeah, um, I really like to see uh, what Caleb Plant does here in this particular matchup because you know in the past few fights he's been uh, very reserved as far as like his overall punch output. Um, and, you know, what he, you know, throws out there against his opponent, and he just watches what his opponent does first before he, you know, goes on the offensive. And with a guy like Luis Kataguri, who is very active, like he said, is someone who, you know, really likes to be uh, a come-forward-style type of fighter. And if you don't, you know, have anything that, you know, makes him respect you, far as like your power shots or you know whatever it is then he's just going to walk right through you uh so with a plan i like to see uh if he's able to you know uh establish a pace there against whose category and make uh whose category you know um drop his overall output because if he doesn't he's going to have a lot of trouble here uh, against the uh ibf super middleweight champion um you know, the thing about it is, is that, you know, like you were saying there with that first fight against Andre Durrell, he, you know, had the, um, he had the advantage in that particular fight. Um, but, you know, he just, 
tried to he just was a little off when he was going um with his body shot and uh he didn't uh you know he was late a couple of times uh with his you know shots after the bell and that's what you know ended up uh causing him the that first fight um but then they were able to have that second fight uh over at the Barclays Center you know last March and you know, in that fight, he just showed that he was a uh, lot better uh, than Andre Durrell and just ended up stopping him. Uh, and he, uh, he's looking to, you know, try to get that, uh, try to get that defense of that uh, IBF Super Middleweight Championship because, um, you know, he was handed that off um, after uh, James Miguel relinquished it, uh, you know, earlier the, uh, last year, you know, after winning it. Um, from Caleb Truax. So it's going to be, you know, something to see here where, you know, you have someone that, you know, didn't have the uh, world title before, but was one of the world titles because, you know, James Gill didn't want to uh, really face uh, Us category. And now Us category has his first defense against the highest ranked contender there in uh, Caleb Plant. Uh, so uh, that's something there that I'm, you know, looking out for. Uh, in this particular fight card. Um, and probably, you know, sees where, you know, each guy is in the super middleweight division. I mean, it's still, you know, wide open as far as, you know, who is the top guy there in uh, super middleweight. Of course, uh, you have Canelo Alvarez with a one of those uh, minor belts there in super middleweight. Um, and, you know, Callum Smith is the, uh, overall uh, WBA champion or the super champion there. And Gilberto Zelda Ramirez had his uh, rematch win over Jesse Hart where, you know, I felt that Jesse Hart could have been able to win that particular fight while Ramirez was hurt, but he didn't notice it, and he just let Ramirez uh, take that fight away from him. Uh, so, you know, super middleweight division is still, you know, up for grabs for uh, someone to you know basically take over and say that they're the overall best in in that particular division. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know there, I think that there was like in in that particular division, if there was like a recent. Um, Notice that there would be a fight there at super middleweight between Chris Eubank Jr. and James DeGale. So that's a you know one of those other fights that um, I think is coming up. Uh, they said it will be on February 23rd uh, at the O2 Arena. So that's going to be a, a very notable fight uh, between uh, those two guys there in the super middleweight division, uh, in particular for. Uh, someone like a um, Chris Eubank Jr. who did uh, participate in that uh, World Boxing Super Series in the Super Middleweight Division, but ended up losing to George Rose in the uh, semifinals. Um, and he he still just you know wants to be able to stay relevant within that particular division, but here he has this uh, high-profile fight here first against James DeGale. Uh, before challenging for a world title there once again. Yeah, I, I tell you what, in regards to Chris Eubank Jr., uh, we, we looked back probably about two, three years ago when he was at 160, and we were looking 
thinking they were fighting for Wajia or something like that, and that never did, that never did happen. Uh, he then moved up to 168, I believe, or whatever it was. I'm trying to – your question, he fought some – I'm trying to think who he fought at 168 or 68, and we thought that was basically his moment to shine and say, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm a world title contender. And he, he, he lost that fight. I'm trying to think of that opponent's name. Well, uh, back in well back in 2014, he fought uh, Billy Joe Saunders and lost by a split decision uh, there. Um, so you know that was there at uh, middleweight. And then he you know had his run at uh, super middleweight, but you know he just couldn't get that particular uh, high profile fight in uh, while there at super middleweight until he was able to get into the World Boxing Super Series, and you know, we he did, you know, did beat the veteran in Arthur Abraham in uh, 2017 uh, before going into the uh, Super Series, and then you know won that first fight uh, that was there, and then went up against George Groves. But that was, I think, that fight against George Groves was supposed to be the fight that says, okay, here he is. At super middleweight, here's where you could, you know, go ahead and say that, okay, I am, you know, there as one of the top guys in the super middleweight division. Uh, and he's supposed to have the ability to do so, but he just, you know, couldn't do it uh, there um, against right. George Gross. Right. No? Yeah, that, that was the fight I was looking for, the Gross fight. Like I said, that was, that was the, the, the moment we should have paid on a world title container, and he sold that fight. And I mean, even going back to the fight against Arthur Abraham, Arthur Abraham was definitely long in the tooth at, this, at that point. We know Arthur, Arthur Abraham's cover up, uh, peaceful style, uh, basically just hot gloves, things like that. So, in that sense, you combine that style with Arthur Abraham's age. So, uh, Eubank Jr. was expecting to beat him, and he did beat him. But I said, and, and, I mean, you know, I know he only has two losses to Billy Joe Saunders and also Rose, but here we are yet again. Uh, at a fight coming on February 23rd against James Dugill. And these two have history from, from way back in the day. So they supposedly don't like each other and things like that. So that promotion has been interesting in, to sit to, in, in come up leading up to this fight. But once again, you have a, a key fight for Eubank Jr. And now, I'm telling you right now, if he doesn't win this fight, this guy is a C-level competitor. That is, that's, all, that's all to it. Because so at one point, you step up and get the win. And I'm not saying it's easy because boxing is not easy at all. I mean, look at look at recent uh, fights like Adonis Stevenson. Uh, like I said, we, when we talk about that fight, it didn't look like he took a whole lot of damage, but look where he's at right now. So boxing is never easy. So I would never say it's easy for someone to go in and get a win because you got to go to training, dieting, uh, so, so much stuff. So boxing, once again, is not easy. But back to Eubank Jr., uh, going up for a high-profile fight, uh, it's going to be a going to be a worldwide audience on this one, so you would like to see him get this win. And you know, uh, <laughs> even some of the stuff that his father said about him was was what was it? He's going to be the next Floyd Mayweather Jr. stuff like that, which is uh, uh, outrageous to even even say that, you know. But but once again, it's basically at this point, is he hype or is he nothing? So that's that's really what I'm looking for for the statement from this fight because a lot of the gills. Really want. I mean, this profile too much, but really, for if Eubank Jr. does win, I'm looking at this guy like a C level fighter at both and most and pretty much like a little small barking dog to me. Yep. I mean, 
it, 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 it's funny to, you know, hear the thing about, uh, you know, Chris Eubank Sr. making those claims about his son, um, you know, especially coming off that uh, high-profile loss to George Groves. And, you know, going up against someone like a James Segal here who, you know, has been, you know, kind of off and on since his fight uh, with Badu Jack, um, you know, he, he has to be able to – or uh, Chris Eubank Jr. has to be able to prove that he could at least uh, beat the level of a James Segal at, you know, this point of his career. Or it's like he said, you know, uh, Eubank Jr. is just a uh, C fighter at best um, because – you know, you, like I was saying, uh, what was out there in the super middleweight division, I mean, it's still, you know, up for grabs as far as, like, who the top person is. But you have a lot of contenders that are out there in that particular division, um, you know, which includes, like, Anthony Durrell, um, you know, George Groves still out there, Callum Smith uh, there, who's probably probably could make his case as the uh, top guy uh, there in the super middleweight division. And, uh, we have to see what happens with the uh, WBC belt with, um, you know, Benavidez um, ended up being suspended because of his, uh, you know, drug use there, which had him relinquish that WBC belt. So um, it'll be a, a busy 168-pound division there, uh, you know, considering we still don't know for sure what he's going to do next, you know. So yeah, so there's that. Um, you know, for those listening in, um, you could uh call in to talk boxing at three four seven two three seven five five three nine. That's three four seven two three seven five five three nine. The person one key to get on cue and you'll be able to talk live on the show. Um there, you know, just about to start up this uh fight here between uh Us Katagui and Caleb Plant. Uh, but before, you know, that fight goes down, we could, you know, look ahead to, you know, what's in store uh, coming up, next, you know, next week as uh, you're going to have uh, over in the Madison Square Garden on Friday, uh, you're going to have Jorge Linares uh, taking on Pobler, Paulo Cesar Cano, and uh, Demetrius Andrade is going to defend his title against Arthur Akabov. Uh, so that'll be, you know, his first defense of that WBA middleweight title um, that he was able to get um, last year over in uh, the uh, Boston area. So we do have that. Um, also, <coughs> Serrano will be in action in, in, in that particular fight card. We're also going to have Chris Algieri uh, there against Daniel Gonzalez as uh, part of that fight card as well. And then on, you know, January 19th, the high-profile fight there is going to be for the WBA regular welterweight title, Manny Pacquiao against Adrian Broner. Uh, you know, we're going to see if, you know, Broner can, you know, finally win a high-profile fight um, against likes of a Manny Pacquiao who, you know, was able to um, – Turnaround off his loss to Jeff Horn in 2017 to defeat Lucas Matisse for that WBA welterweight title. So um, that's what we have uh, coming up here. Um, in reference to this fight between Pacquiao and Broner, um, 
do you feel that it has the overall like hype, so to speak, compared to you know previous fights involving either one of these fighters? Because you know coming up to the week of this fight, I really am not you know feeling that it has that type of you know anticipation um, for for this particular fight. Well, I'll say this. I mean, uh, some things we talked about last year, once again, so so much of what happened last year is so important for this year and, and years going forward. Because one, at, at, one, at one point last time last year, I posed the question, is pay-per-view dead? And and no, it's, it's not dead because we do have some, some pay-per-view uh, fighters out there that are worthy of, of headlining a pay-per-view, pay-per-view fight and have that backing uh, in regards to an audience a pain audience, whether it be people actually going to the fight or people that's going to actually make make the purchase on, on uh, via their TV sets, things like that. So there's only a small, small handful of of pay per view fighters. And one real quick, real quick, Broder. Broder's been in the fight game for what seven, ten years, something like that, and has never been on a pay per view event. This is his first time headlining a pay per view event. So, so once again. While pay-per-view is not dead, it's, it's becoming more and more of a rare thing. That's simply because you don't have the top uh, fighters out there that will that has that backing to command a pay-per-view event. So, but I mean, just to answer your question, no, it's, it's no big glamorous uh, thing. In the past, when we talk about a pay-per-view event in boxing, uh, of course, it's going to lock in all the hardcore fans. We know that, but as far as the casual fans. Uh, their interest is probably not peaked in this fight. So you look at the two uh, combatants, Broner and Pacquiao. So Pacquiao, he's been asking for him fighting in the States for, what, two, three years, something like that, due to tax issues. Now, he is a household name. We know that. But he's, it's kind of like when you're not fighting here in stateside, uh, it's, I'm trying to think of that phrase. Uh, I, I don't see you, so I, I forgot about you. And that's pretty much what I'm, what I'm trying to say. Because I think he fought for, for uh, who is it? He fought over over in uh, Asia somewhere. I forgot. I'm sure you remind me where it was. But it's, it's just out of sight, out of mind. You know, we know about Pacquiao. He's also names. He's a he's a uh, Hall of Famer. We know that. But like I said, out of sight, out of mind. We're not fighting here in the states. People that, that typical artist tends to forget about you. And even with Bro, like I said, he's never uh, been on the pay per view event. So, and and and. Kind of what you guys talked about last year, I think with fight, in every fight you need uh, good versus evil in a sense. So this it's easy to define this one. Uh, Pacquiao's the good per se, and Brown is definitely the evil guy in in the, in this, in the in the, uh, in the promotional sense of, of the words. So yeah, uh, Broner's lack of lack of lack him or love him, and I don't think most too many people like him like that. But he nevertheless he is a polarizing fighter. Uh, there's so many reasons to quote unquote hate Broner, his style, uh, lack of production in, in regards to uh, his brashness, stuff like that. So, but like I said, but really, it does. I mean, it's, so we don't make the announcement next week. It's five weeks, but does it feel like it? No, not really. Not really. Yeah, no, yeah, it doesn't. You know, really um, feel like it is fight week. Um, you know, even though you know they've had the whole thing is about the um, you know, the all access on Showtime, you know, a few shows that they've had, you know, with with, with 
with those guys. Um, and it, 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 I think it's just because of, like, an expectation, uh, you know, leading into the fight. Um, you know, I, I think it's because they really don't see, you know, Adrian Broner as someone that could really step up and, you know, get the win against, you know, a high-profile fighter. I mean, he's, you know, fought the likes of, you know, Mikey Garcia and and lost that fight. Um, you know, we had the thing there, of course, with uh, Sean Porter uh, lost that fight. Um, you know, going up against Marcos Maidana lost that fight. And his uh, latest fight, you know, against Jesse Vargas over at Barclays Center, um, you know, he – ended up having a draw in that particular fight. And, you know, Vargas was, you know, kind of like teetering in as far as, like, where he was in, in his part of his career, um, who was a guy that did end up, you know, end up losing to uh, Manny Pacquiao, um, where he lost the uh, Welsway title to Pacquiao before his fight with Adrian Broner. And, you know, Broner ended up getting a uh, majority draw against the guy Jesse Vargas where people kind of felt that Broner should have been the faster fighter and the uh, stronger fighter against Jesse Vargas. And he just, you know, didn't step up to the plate in that, in that particular uh, matchup. And he also had, you know, Broner's fight against Adrian Granados where a lot of people felt that Granados uh, got the win uh, in that fight. So I think here against Manny Pacquiao, it's just that, you know, not a lot of people are really expecting Adrian Broner to step up and get the win here against Manny Pacquiao, even though Pacquiao is at, you know, an advanced age uh, and has so many years in his professional career at this point. So I think that's where that kind of like stems as far as like um, where the overall hype is, because usually uh, with a fight of that magnitude, you would kind of like think either you know, like you were saying, you have a good versus evil, or uh, you would have something where you're not you're not sure who would be able to come out as the winner in this particular fight. But you know, since there's just very low expectations for Adrian Broner coming into this fight, I think that's why the uh, overall hype is not where you know some people may think it's at uh, for this particular matchup. Hey, just take take a, a little close look at that in regards to this fight. Uh, Pacquiao's going to be 40 years old, uh, 39, 40 years old for the fight. And and like we talked about before, numerous times before on the show, uh, when do you finally get old? Uh, and we we don't know that yet for Pacquiao. We know he lost to Jeff Horn a couple years ago in a fight. He probably should have won. Uh, came back, got a, got a belt, things like that. But like I said, you're 40 years old. And, and these days, we, we know we, we see a continuous stretch of fighters fight uh, into, uh, up to 40 and past 40 and still have, still have levels of success. We know that. But at one point, when do you get old? But on the, same, on the flip side, when we look at Broner, like you stated, uh, when we expect him to step up in his top fights, uh, he's been either given a gift decision or he's definitely had a, had a loss. Uh, he was on, on back to when Broner fought Mikey Garcia, right? Uh, there was no excuses in, in that fight whatsoever. There was no injuries incurred by Broner, no 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 bad training camp, nothing like that. No excuses. He just lost a fight, right? And it was just really a, a very lackluster effort that he put forward in the fight, and very disappointing as well. So, 
uh, in bonus sports now for this fight, for the Pacquiao fight, uh, because of the fact that he is fighting for the hood. And I'll let you elaborate on that because I know you're well connected with that. So Broner says he's fighting for the hood. So that will that be the deciding factor in him getting a win for this fight? I'll let you tell me on that one. Hey, I mean, that that was his quote. He said, hey, the whole hood for me. Uh, hey, you might have some Philippines, but the whole hood for me. And then, hey, you don't need to be talking about Floyd. You, you already lost some Floyd. You ain't got no chance about Floyd. Everybody talking about Floyd, you fight me. <laughs> so I think that that's where, you know, kind of where he seems like, Broner seems like he knows where he's at in this point of his professional career and that he, you know, knows that he has to really come out uh, with the guns blazing against Manny Pacquiao uh, in this particular sense to where he's like, okay, I know that this is where I could be the guy that I was supposed to be, you know, uh, years ago, um, you know, up to the point where he fought and lost to Marcos Maidana. Um, so I think this is where he, he kind of like gets his second shot. Now, I mean, there was like, um, you know, at one point where, um, you know, I had like a live discussion, uh, on Facebook to where, um, they said that Broner was in line to have another fight with, uh, Marcos Maidana, uh, but, uh, someone uh, kind of famous kind of like got in the way of all of that. Uh, so um, they didn't have that rematch between those two. Uh, so I think this this right here is kind of like where he kind of like gets that shot at the limelight uh, once again uh, to, so that he would be able to say, okay, I, I should be one of those high-profile fighters uh, out there in the sport of boxing, and if I, you know, get the win against uh, Manny Pacquiao, especially if I get a knockout against Manny Pacquiao, then, you know, people will be uh, talking about me uh, after uh, that, if that ends up happening. So uh, that's something for, you know, people to look out for. Well, yeah, if, if he's uh, to get Pacquiao over Pacquiao, uh, he's going to be, one, one, another hot commodity at 147. Uh, I mean, but even, even that, even with that, if he was to get a – hell, if Bro was just a beat Pacquiao, he's going to be a commodity at 147 going forth for, for the next year or so. But at the same time, uh, it's, it's, if, he, if he gets a win, it's a sustainable form. Because, like, you got people out there in 147, Porter, Garcia. We, we already know Crawford. No really need to mention Terrence Crawford at this point. We know he's locked up to come fight uh, coming uh, April against Khan. We know that, but but still, despite that, there's other people at 147 that can fight. There's even a Jeff Horn out there that that will be interesting, and Jeff Horn has money down in uh, in Australia where he's at. But at the same time, I mean, if if Roman can just beat him, let just get to fight and beat him, and that point that's going to create new options for him and make him sustainable at 147 going forward. So I mean, he has a good train behind him. Looks like he had a yes, he's had a good camp down here in Florida, so it's it's at this point it's at this point it's for me it's a pick and fight. I don't know who's gonna win. 
because, uh, like I said, with, with Pacquiao being at his, his age, when you get old, and Bron, we already know, like I said, we say that he's going to step up for the, for the moment and uh, fight for the hood, like you said, and, and get the win. We'll, we'll see. So that's going to be a very interesting fight, to say the least. Yep. Um, you know, like you were saying, you have all those uh, contenders out there in the welterweight division. Uh, Sean Porter with the WBC title uh, that, you know, has his upcoming fight in uh, March. I think it's like March 9th against your Dennis Ugas in Las Vegas. Uh, and then, you know, the next week you're going to have, um, you know, Keith Thurman uh, back in the scene at the Barclays Center going up against Jose Zito Lopez, who is the WBA super champion. And uh, you were talking about Terrence Crawford that, you know, was having his uh, fight in April against Samir Khan. Uh, they're going to, you know, make that official um, on uh, Tuesday uh, coming up uh, with the press conference in London. So uh, you have those top contenders there in the welterweight division uh, out there with uh, fights coming up uh, within the next uh, four months or so. And if uh, Broner, you know, gets that win against Manny Pacquiao, then, he could, you know, set himself up uh, with, you know, a, a big shot against uh, one of those guys, um, you know, with, you know, the uh, March 16th bout uh, between the IBF champion there, Errol Spence Jr., against Mike Garcia as being the uh, high-profile uh, pay-per-view fight of the uh, first quarter of the year. So, you know, the top of the welterweight division is going to be very busy uh, out there, but, um you know, next week we're going to see if Adrian Broner is going to be able to put his name in the hat in the welterweight division. Uh, also, you know, in that particular fight card, you're going to have in the light heavyweight division, Battle Jack taking on Marcus Brown. Um, <clears throat> you have uh, Battle Jack uh, there that was the WBA regular champion at light heavyweight Um you know, had his fight against Adonis Stevenson last year, uh, fought to a draw where, you know, people would have thought that he could have been able to take that WBC light heavyweight championship from Adonis Stevenson, but he didn't end up finishing uh, that particular fight uh, there impressive enough to get the win. Uh, going up against Marcus Brown, uh, who, you know, would have been in line for a world title shot last year, but got into a little bit of trouble outside the ring and that took his name out of the hat for potentially fighting Sergey Kovalev and Kovalev ended up fighting Elder Alvarez and we know what, you know, happened over in Atlantic City on uh, August uh last year uh for that. So uh, Marcus Brown is there, you know, undefeated twenty two and 0, uh going up against uh Badu Jack uh there that's uh you know with twenty two wins, one loss and three draws. And, you know, this particular fight is between, you know, two guys that are, you know, top contenders, uh, therefore, you know, a light heavyweight championship, you know, whether it's for the new champion there, Alexander Gavazic, or, you know, against the likes of, um, you know, his, the WBA champion uh, there, and Demetri Baval, who, you know, did say that he, he would like a, fight there against Battle Jack in the near future, but, um, you know, going off of, you know, Dimitri Baval's last performance uh, there against John Pascal, I don't know if he wants to go ahead and uh, take that test against Battle Jack, uh, but uh, here against uh, 
Battle Jack against Marcus Brown. I, I kind of like put uh, Battle Jack as the favorite in that particular fight there uh, coming up next week. Uh, I think that's going to be the uh, – that might be the co-feature bout uh, there for that fight card uh, coming up in Las Vegas. Uh, so what, what are your thoughts about uh, you know, both of those fighters? I want you to consider something. So, well, and there's a common opponent right here. We already know that Badu Jack fought Adonis Stevenson. That fought to a draw, right? And at that point, we'll, we'll look back at uh, last year when uh, Gabasic fought Stevenson, and we all know what happened within that. So, the common opponent is Stevenson. So, obviously, obviously uh, Gabasic knocked him out in the 11th round, and whereas Badu Jack fought to a draw with him. And, of course, there's people out there who probably, probably argue for the side of Jack and probably some that were arguing for the side of Stevenson, but nevertheless, it was a draw. So, what does it say about uh, Jack? Is he is he? I don't, I don't want to use the word mediocre, but but it, well, basically, is Gavazic that much better than the the three of those guys combined? Gavazic, Stevenson, and Jack is he is he actually a step above because of what he did with a common opponent, right? And even even in that regard, with, with Jack fighting this guy uh, Brown, like to come in at twenty two and zero, no. Crazy notable names on his record, but nevertheless, his, his first his first uh, real his, his best fight to today at this point. So, I mean, so much to say about Jack on this fight. On on is he just a regular B level fighter in a sense, or is he A level? And Brown is this Alexis is probably just more like this his most high profile profile fight. So, what will you do? Will you step up and get the win? Or we just uh, remain a contender. So very interesting. Yeah, the thing out there with Alexander Gavazic is, you know, a lot of a lot of people that were, you know, looking at him were saying that he was pretty much one of the guys that were on that list alongside the uh, guys like a um, Alexander Usyk and Vasily Mashenko, who already won uh, multiple titles. He was just a guy that was next in line that never really got that particular shot. And so, you know, with him being able to do that uh, last year against uh, Donna Stevenson, uh, you know, he was able to, you know, win most of those rounds there uh, going up until uh, that knockout happened against Stevenson. And so uh, he he's, he's a really, really uh, tough opponent for anyone you know that that would be that would end up facing them. Um, so there was Battle Jack. Now Battle Jack knows what he, what he's gonna have to do in order to you know kind of like stake his claim as far as like one of the top guys there in the light heavyweight division because you you know you have this fight coming up against Marcus Brown. You know that uh, Demetri Bavall's there uh, holding the WBA title, but you know Elida Alvarez is a very tough out for anybody as well. And so is Archer Betabia. So, um, Battle Jack, you know, had that plan to, you know, move up to the light heavyweight division. Um, and last year, I mean, that was kind of like the plan was for him to move up to the light heavyweight division to eventually get that shot against um, Adonis Stevenson uh, for for that title. And you know, he, he was supposed to cash in on that on that uh, opportunity, and he wasn't able to. Um, and I'm um, just, like, looking here, and it's seeing, like, 
uh, uh, you got uh, Figueroa um, going up against uh, Flores here. Brandon Figueroa going up against Moses Flores, and uh, Flores uh, getting knocked down here in the third round, and he seems to be out of it. So uh, this is looks like it's about to be the end of the fight. There, yep, and there it is. So yeah, Moises Flores gets uh, stopped there by Brandon Figueroa there in the super bantamweight division. Um, this is like his second consecutive loss. Um, they, he was a guy that you know got knocked down by uh, Guillermo Rigondeau, but they changed it to a no contest, which I don't know why they did that. Um, but he. Yeah, he just didn't have uh, much of a chance there against the uh, young, undefeated Brandon Figueroa there. Uh, so just wanted to add that in. Um, you know, before that <clears throat> IBF super middleweight title fight comes up here between Ooze Category and Plant. But back to that, you know, light heavyweight division. Badu Jack is, you know, right there as far as like one of the top five or six guys in the light heavyweight division, but. I don't know if he's, you know, willing to take that next step to say, okay, I am much better than all those other guys below me, and I should be able to contend against the uh, top guys there, uh, the top four guys that are there that hold each belt in the light heavyweight division. Um, So next week we're going to see if he's going to be able to do that against Marcus Brown because, you know, while Marcus Brown is undefeated, um, like you were saying, there isn't really anyone that's very notable on uh, Marcus Brown's, um, you know, resume as far as like his, uh, you know, career is concerned. So, um, you know, he he did have a uh, win over Sean Monahan in 2017, where you know Monahan was undefeated coming into that particular fight, uh, but you know also he had a fight against. Um, college, and in 2016, where you know that was a uh, fight where some people could have said that he would have he lost that fight. So uh, it, it's it's going to be something here to where we got to see if Battle Jack is gonna be that Battle Jack that you know went on the head and um, you know defeated uh, Nathan Cleverly and just pretty much walked right through. Jason uh, Cleverly, or is it going to be the fight where he had a pretty good start against, uh, you know, Adonis Stevenson and ended up fading at the latter parts of the fight and couldn't really finish off, um, you know, Adonis Stevenson there. So that's going to be an interesting matchup uh, there coming up uh, as far as like that co-feature bout, I would say, uh, there between those two because, you know, even though I favor Battle Jack to get the win there in that in that matchup, you know, it's not really a, you know, something that's set in stone there because you never know with Battle Jack, um, you know, how he's going to perform against his opponents. Yeah, even in, in that regard, uh, prior to this fight, uh, kind of Battle Jack kind of noted said, well, if he, he's not looking past Marcus Brown, but in the event that he does secure the victory, he's likely looking to go towards Bavol. Uh, that's what we know with Bobal. We last fought back in November last year against Gene Pascal, a former champion, uh, and then looked particularly great. Look, look, uh, I want to say average, but just nothing great per se. Uh, he didn't set the, set the world on fire. 
with that performance and everything. But but Bobby Jack is, is certainly looking towards the way to uh, to secure a fight with him and possibly for a championship uh, belt. Like I said, Kavazic, not an easy draw. He's just very fundamentally sound. Uh, leader Alvarez, just a rough and tough guy. Not an easy fight. And even like you mentioned with, with Arthur better be a not an easy fight either. That's that's a rough fight as well. So 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 before is, is is in a sense the weakest champion right now at one seventy five. But but like I said, Badu Jack definitely has to take care of business next week and in order to look forward to uh future opportunities that that will get into a belt opportunity. Yep. Yep. And you know, also you know, going into this uh, particular fight card, you also have um, Rache Warren getting another shot at, at a, a world title uh, going up against Nordin Ubali. Um, You know, this is uh, someone who, you know, worked his way up, uh, you know, up to the point to where he uh, fought for, you know, the uh, unified uh, Bantamweight Championships. Uh, against Juan Carlos Fiano uh, a few years ago, uh, but ended up losing by split decision and then got a uh, rematch uh, pretty much a month later and then got the majority decision there. But <laughs> he didn't even take but, you know, um, one, you know, one defense to where he ended up losing that fight to Zakianov where he just got outworked uh, in that particular fight there. And, you know, even with that, even with that fight, they had like, you know, one judge that, you know, still tried to give that fight off to um, Roche Warren, but uh, he was able to turn around and get a key win against um, Joe Arroyo. Um, and then uh, get another win uh, there at the Barclays Center to put him in this position to uh, go for the uh, WBC Bantamweight Championship uh, there against, Valley and I mean I think you know it just uh, shows that um, you know if you have the right people in position you'll you know still be able to uh, get in get in position for these uh, high profile fights um, you know while they still have that uh, World Boxing Super Series uh, tournament there in the bantamweight division to kind of like work out you still have that WBC belt that's out there you know, that could still be, uh, you know, attained uh, by Rashid Warren as, um, you know, the best guy that had it was uh, Luis Neri, who, of course, had those uh, issues with, uh, you know, illegal substances. So, um, I mean, here with uh, Rashid Warren, if he's able to get this uh, world title again, then uh, he, he'll be, you know, champion once again. And uh, I guess uh, – probably wait out to see what happens with the World Boxing Super Series and try to get to, um, you know, fight the winner, the winner of that series or something like that, whether it's, uh, you know, the likes of Naria Inouye or uh, Nonito Denaire or uh, Solani Tete or Rodriguez. So it's still like, you know, a few contenders out there at Bantamweight, uh, but, you know, here on this side of the, um, this side of the division, uh, you know, you can have uh, see who who out of these two contenders will be able to win that WBC belt, and then uh, the winner can move on from there. 
Yeah, I remember uh, a couple years ago when we talked about when Warren got that belt and we talked about the disappointment in regards to he lost it on his first defense. It was like, come on, man. We we, we expect a little more, a little more of you from that point. That point. Uh, yeah. But like I said, now definitely line for another title shot. But really, I think the, the main news of, of that division right now is the last four people, people in that uh, WBSS uh, Super Series tournament where you mentioned NUA, uh, Danito, uh, Rodriguez, and uh, let me see here, Solan Tete. Uh, so th- th- that's the main main news. But, well, of course, like we always say, we got to take care of your business first in order to secure your future opportunities. So same thing for Broner, same thing here for Rushy Warren as well. Got to take care of business first. That way you can look forward to head out to a year going forward. Because, you know, having that belt, it puts you in the drop seat of that division. Even going back to Battle Jack, right? If he's taking his business with, with Marcus Brown and hope to get in line for a title shot and get a title shot, and at that point, once again, you're in line for uh, your, your United College shots within, within your division to get the fights that you want, getting there with money, getting your deals, stuff like that. So, once again, you got to take care of business at home. What's in front of you, eat what's on your plate. We'll see what's next. Definitely. Yeah, and you know the thing is that we gotta see um, where they're at as far as like the whole thing with the World Boxing Super Series. As you know, the uh, news coming from the previous month was that we really hadn't um, seen where they were going to um, plan out what the uh, next when the next fights were going to be. Um, because uh you know we're gonna see you know how how that's has how that's going on because um, i'm I'm like looking in here and it, it's saying that um they're saying that the thing uh where the uh progress was going to meet uh relic you know on on the on the um on that, uh, what was it, the light welterweight side or the super lightweight side? You have a uh, progress there, um, and they said that they they um, they may like try to push it out because they had like issues as far as like funding was concerned. So we got to see uh, what happens there with the bantamweight division. As they could have, you know, those could be among the top fights in that Bantamweight division in the semifinals, but they got to be able to collect all the funding to put it together. Uh, so um, that's the thing there that's kind of, you know, really uh, putting things in jeopardy as far as, like, showing uh, who would uh, be able to come out of that Bantamweight tournament. Uh, but, you know, for, you know, the case of um, Rache Warren, if he's able to get this uh, win – over Ubali, then he would get that WBC version of that title and, you know, either, you know, like I said, wait it out for those other guys or, you know, try to um, fight other contenders there within that um, bantamweight division or maybe even uh, have a third fight with uh, Juan Carlos Payano because that could still be uh, in the, you know, in the cards there uh, for Rache Warren to say, okay, um, let's have this uh, one one fight uh, there to, you know, settle things out once and for all to see, you know, who would win the rubber match between the two. So that's all also up in the air. 
I think Washington comes to that six five six six himself. So yeah, he does have good natural size, uh, decent skills, but this fight is probably more or less about Kawanaki uh, than 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 more so with with Jared Washington. So like we we last saw Kawanaki against uh, Charles Martin. Uh, it, was a, it was a good it was a good fight. It was a good fight back and forth. Some good depth of action in that. But like I said, this is probably more about Kawanaki. Can he can he continue to improve his brand and get some victories and some things like that going forward? But but at the same time, uh, Washington, there is an opportunity for him. Don't just be an opponent. Don't just come in just to, to show up on a check and go four or five rounds and get knocked out or whatever, or just or just think up the, the place. You know, it's 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 an opportunity to to keep your name relevant uh, against uh, somewhat of a hot of a somewhat of a hot name. You know, because I was at this point. Uh, I don't even need to go into all the details, but we know on the the division is locked up on three names right now, and that's not necessarily going to change at all. So, so but it's for like I said for Washington, it's an opportunity. So, we'll see what he does with it. Well, I, I kind of know that you know in this particular fight, he's going to be basically a uh, road warrior of sorts because. Um, you know, uh, Kalnaki's previous fight against Charles Martin that was over at the Barclays Center, um, you know, he had like a, a lot of, um, you know, guys uh, or fans there, you know, that are, you know, based, in, based from Poland or, you know, from the Polish community uh, that's out there in the uh, New York and New Jersey areas. Uh, so you're pretty much going to see that here once again uh, with Kalnaki's fight against Gerald Washington. So, um, that's the uh, thing here that we're going to see is if Kalnaki is going to be able to either go through, you know, a 10 round fight there against uh, Washington or uh, be able to take him out. Uh, like how, um, you know, Deontay Wilder and Jarrell Miller were, were able to do. Uh, we've got like another caller in here, area code 205. What's going on with you? What's going on, James and Terrell? This is Mike Grady. How y'all doing? Hey, what up, man? How you doing? Happy New Year. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're talking about this thing here with um, uh, what's coming up on uh, January 26th. Uh, while, you know, live right now, you have uh, that fight that you were talking about uh, with uh, Joey Spencer. Uh, that's actually, I, I guess they're putting uh, Joey Spencer out here before the uh, IBF title fight. Yeah. Yep. Um, I heard y'all talk about the Konaki and uh, Gerald Miller. I mean, uh, Gerald Washington fight. Yeah. Uh, um, that? Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We were saying the thing about Konaki and uh, where where he's at as far as like his point in uh, the heavyweight division, and and I was saying here with this fight against Washington. I mean, it really isn't much of a. Uh, measuring stick of sorts because, you know, we don't see, you know, Joe Washington as, you know, much of a serious contender out there in the heavyweight division after his uh, two losses to uh, Deontay Wilder and to Jarrell Miller. So uh, here uh, with this fight, I think it's just something to just say, okay, um, just something to keep uh, Kalnaki busy, one, and then, you know, maybe two, try to, you know, get more tickets sold for that particular event. 
Yeah, where's Gerald Washington from? Uh, I think he's like you know originally there in uh, California there. So um, yeah, because you know he's been in California for you know most of his life. He was you know came up, uh, had a good uh, you know high school and football career, you know from uh, USC and all of that. So yeah, he's from he's based in California. Gotcha. So yeah, my thoughts on this is that for Kalnaki. I didn't really watch the fight intently that he had against Charles Martin, but for Charles Martin to compete with him, Kyle Naki can't be that good. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, Charles Martin wouldn't last very long with the top guys. He wouldn't last very long with uh, Jarrell Miller. He wouldn't last very long with Joshua. He wouldn't last very long with um, Ortiz. He wouldn't uh, Tyson Fury would take him to deep rounds. This is because Tyson, what Tyson Fury does, but he would drown him in the later rounds, if not win the easy decision, and he wouldn't last with Wilder. Um, yeah, I, I just like Konaki is good. Don't get me wrong; he's skillful. Whatever, whatever. His body frame looks looks weird for his. He he's more better. He's better than what his body frame says, but. He wouldn't compete with the top guys if he's if if his fight is competitive with with um Charles Martin. Yeah, the thing with um the thing with Kanaki is he he's been like up and down as far as like uh where his overall quote unquote shape is um because like he. He could be at like uh, at one point he could be down to like two forty, two forty five, and then all and then he would also like balloon all the way up to two sixty plus, uh, like he had been in his past two fights. And so, um, you know, someone like his height, uh, there rolling around in a in a two sixty frame, he he can't really move very well against you know, likes of more skilled heavyweights. So, like you said, he really isn't somebody that could really contend against the likes of a Jarrell Miller, uh, Luis Ortiz, Dylan White, Anthony Joshua, uh, Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, and, and sort. So, he's just there, like, down at the, um, you know, low portion of the, what I would say, what, top 15 or something like that. You know, just because he has those, you know, few wins uh, against Spoka and uh, against Charles Martin. But, you know, other than that, you really don't see him beating anyone, you know, that's currently ranked above him. Uh, so that's why I say he's like kind of like he uh, maybe in the top 15, but that's about as high as he could get. And he couldn't beat a um, Joseph Parker or a um... – um, what's the other UK guy name? Dylan White. Dylan White. He couldn't beat. He couldn't beat either of those two either. Maybe Joseph Parker. Yeah. Maybe. Cause Joseph Parker's small. Yeah, um, Joseph Parker's small, but you know he has like. Yeah. See what, Terrell? Joseph Parker is 6'4", around 240. He's not small. Oh, he's 6'4"? He just looks small yeah. against the Giant. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I guess he won't beat Joseph Parker then. I tried to get him a win. I stand corrected. He probably won't beat <laughs> Joseph Parker. <laughs> so Dylan White is calling in. Well, no, White, White is. Yeah, yeah, you're around that same height, six four, right? Yeah, yeah. Because they both look the same height when they fought each other. Well, damn, yeah. he won't beat any of them two either, then. So basically, like, he says that you're right. best. Well, not his best athlete. If he's going to beat someone, it's going to be his work ethic. So that, that's the only way he can be a top person, just to outwork someone. Yeah. So, right? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be his work ethic. That's that's a good explanation. Yeah, that's, that's the only thing um, that that gets Kalnaki through uh, mo- most of his uh, – most of his um, – Fights is his overall work ethic. That's that's kind of like what uh, got him to uh, get the stoppage victory over, um, you know, you know, over his um, who was it, um, Spoker. That's how he got his um, yeah his win over Spoker with his overall work ethic. Um, but, you know, other than that, that that's kind of like just what what he's able to do. But if he if he like takes a big punch from one of those uh, you know fighters that have power behind their punch, man, I don't know if he's going to be able to sustain all that. And that that's kind of like his uh, yeah, that's kind of like his roadblock right there. Well, I guess um, he in a good position to always get chances because I mean he'll probably be people that he'll be somebody once he start fighting people. He'll be a name for people to fight. Like they'll put him against people. Yeah. Maybe first Gerald Miller, Jarrell Miller. Maybe that'll be the first one. I mean, that's possible. Um, if they, you know, want want to have, uh, you know, someone to, you know, kind of like have him go up against like two big guys against each other, but. Necessarily sure um, if uh, Adam Kalnaki would be able to beat a Jarrell Miller, but yo, um, in the meantime, we got another caller here. Uh, maybe uh, this caller could uh, state his case uh, for the current topic at hand in Adam Kalnaki. Uh, if you can tell us the name where you're calling from, sir. Yo, Jay, I was stop, man. Matt calling from the Gloom Tomb, New York City, Bronx, New York. BX stand up. BX in the building. Yeah, listen, listen. First of all, I don't know who just said that um, maybe Konaki and Miller is going to fight. That's not going to happen. Konaki and Miller like brothers. They wouldn't fight each other. They grew up together. Um, they've been training with each other since the age of 15. They have a very close relationship, so I don't think they're going to um, end up fighting each other unless they absolutely have to. So that's probably not a possibility. Um, I do want to talk about Konaki versus Gerald Washington. I know for some reason there are people out there that think this is some sort of 50-50 fight and it's going to be a tough fight for Konaki, and, and I, I, don't, I don't get it. Konaki is one of the 10 best heavyweights in the world, okay? Don't let the baby face fool you. Don't let the pudgy exterior fool you. This man got hands. This, this this man got fast hands, he got powerful hands, he got power in both hands, and he has 
a motor unlike anybody else in the heavyweight division. He does not get tired. I'm telling you, he can go 12 rounds, no problem. With the way he trains, it's the way Miller trains. If you look at them, they are very similar fighters. Um, the only thing is, I think Kornacki has a little bit of a better chin than Miller. So look for Kornacki to wipe out Gerald Washington, the football player. Um, he's going to beat him up. He's going to get him out of there. And I think he's going to become the fastest rising star in the heavyweight division next year. Well, this year. All right, let me let me. Uh, what's going on? What's going on, Matt? This is Mike Brady, man. You know, Yo, I Mike, agree with you on most stuff, man. right? That much, that much. So, so I want to ask you this. I want to believe you, Matt. I really do. But then, certain certain data points make me feel that I don't know if I can believe you, but I want to believe you, Matt. I do. So, so if what Konaki, do you have? What reservation? That's a great question, man. If 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 let's say let's say I have a guy, a, a fighter in front of you, and I say they are in a quasi-competitive match with um, what's his name, James? What's his name? Uh, help me. What's his Prince name? Charles. Charles Martin. Thank you. They are in a semi-competitive fight with Charles Martin. Would you say that that fighter who's in a competitive fight with Charles Martin will beat the upper echelon of the heavyweight division? And would you say that Charles Martin beats the upper echelon, or does he get beat by the, probably the, the top 15 people? Yeah, but you have to remember that Charles Martin is a southpaw, okay? Um, Kornacki, three straight southpaws. Three straight southpaws. So, to me, he is just working out the kinks of his game. That's it. He's just working out the kinks. He, he's fighting against southpaws. Now he's going to be fighting against the orthodox fighter. It's just all part of the plan to continue to, to build him. And that fight with Charles Martin, although it, it seemed competitive, Konaki won very clearly. It was a very clear victory. It wasn't a hard fight to score. So it's not like he was life and death with him. You know, it's an easy fight well, to score. I'm you're right. You he won the fight. But if, if he, he won the fight, but Charles Martin wasn't outclassed. Charles Martin was outclassed against Joshua. Charles Martin would be outclassed against Wilder. Charles Martin would be outclassed against uh, Big Baby Miller. Charles Martin would be outclassed against uh, Charles Martin would get drowned by Tyson Fury. Like Fury probably wouldn't stop him early, but but round nine Listen, through you're, eleven. You're only speaking hypothetically, because technically the only other loss on Charles Martin's career is against Anthony Joshua. So really, you're just speaking hypothetically. We don't know what Charles is Martin it? would do against anyone else in the heavyweight division except Anthony Joshua. That's it. <laughs> we don't have That's a good idea. Well, we well, don't have well, a good well, idea. Here, here's the thing. Would, you, would you favor Charles Martin in any of those matchups that would be put up you know, against those opponents there? You talking about Wilder, Fury? And White? You talking about Joshua, Wilder, Fury, Ortiz, Miller, Ortiz, Joshua Ortiz, Parker. Um, against Parker, 
Mario versus Parker is a 50-50 fight. Let's not act like Joseph Parker is some sort of killer. We've seen Joseph Parker's level. Just because Joseph Parker was gifted the WBO heavyweight title in a poor decision against Andy Ruiz does not mean that Joseph Parker is some world beater. We've seen Joseph Parker's level. He doesn't have any heart. He doesn't have any heart. I would love to see Parker versus Martin. That's a 50-50 fight. Who the hell is Joseph Parker? He's just some, some New Zealand yeah. guy with pretty hair that was gifted a title. <laughs> Another guy. Please. This guy is Joseph Parker. You see, this is why these titles are so meaningless. Because when you watch Joseph Parker fight, have you ever watched a Joseph Parker fight and come away impressed? I haven't. I've never been impressed by Joseph Parker. Well, the only fight I I wasn't necessarily impressed, but I was like, oh, really? Was him fighting Anthony Joshua. What what fight was that? Anthony Joshua, I was like, oh, really? That was a garbage fight. I don't know. It was, but I was. To see the the whole fight. I'm saying I was not impressed, but I'm saying I was like, oh, really? To speak to Anthony Joshua as well. Listen, only thing I know is that Charles Martin has only been beat by two people, Adam Kornacki and Anthony Joshua. That's it. That's the list. So to make it seem like he's just some sort of tomato can and he'll get beat by everybody in the heavyweight division, I just don't think that that's true. It's just not true. He, if you're telling me he would get beat, beat by Wilder. Wilder yes and Fury no. are one of the five best heavyweights in the world. Well, uh, let's let's have a, let's go down the list. Anyone in the top six. Agreed. Anyone in the top six. Okay. But that doesn't mean right. that he's some sort of some sort of tomato can. You you think he can't beat Derek Chisora? You think he can't give Dillian White a run for his money? No. <laughs> you think that he can't give Joseph Parker a run for his money? Please, like, come on, man. Listen, ain't no killers in the heavyweight division except for Wilder, Joshua, okay, Fury, and Ortiz. All so, these guys in the heavyweight you know division. Would be a better fight. It would probably be possible to make Martin Brazil. I'm listening. Oh, that would be a Brazil. nice little sloppy heavyweight. Now, now, now you're talking my language. A nice little sloppy heavyweight, two fat, out-of-shape guys just just throwing bombs at each other. I can get down with that. Brazil Brazil knocks out him any day of the week. You think so? You think so? Because I think I, I know so. Brazil I, in his last fight. I got to watch it. Uh, the, the reason why I say that is because Charles Martin throws punches really slow. And at least Brazil, when he throws his punches. I know, better. Brazil, Brazil gets caught with smoke punches. <laughs> Not against guys know? like Charles Martin. How do you know? Okay, yes, yes know? he does get caught against. He does, he does get caught, caught against guys like Charles Martin. But I think he would hit Charles Martin a lot. He would hit Charles Martin before Charles Martin hits him, and he would hit him first. He would get out first with Charles Martin's slow hands. We'll see. Charles Martin got slow hands, but they got power in them. 23 knockouts out of 25 wins. Don't lie, man. 
He should have brought the power out when he fought Joshua. Joshua is the third best heavyweight in the world, man. What? No, that is true. That is true. That is true. That is true. true. You're right. He can't be the third best heavyweight in the world. You are are right about that. Of course he had a problem with him. And now we should enter the wildest portion of the world. I was waiting. <laughs> oh, hey, hey, third best. <laughs> oh man, hey, hey man, hey. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say about all that, man. I don't know what to say about all that. Oh man. Um, oh, we just like in the old time portion of the show. Uh, I was talking about the card that was uh, coming up January 26th, Barclays Center, with that main event, Keith Thurman against Jose Cito Lopez. Uh, Keith Thurman returning after, <clears throat> what, about a one-and-a-half-year layoff. Uh, you know, supposedly, you know, he was supposed to have his uh, get-back here in 2018, but he didn't really get back. Uh, so <laughs> now... <laughs> You know, he, he's he's here against uh, Jose Zito Lopez. You know, he was, he was, you know, floating in and out of the uh, welterweight division. Um, you know, had his losses against the likes of Andre Berto, Marcos Maidana, Canelo Alvarez, Jesse Vargas, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, did, you know, did have his fight against Victor Ortiz, but that was <laughs> seven years ago. Um so it's just here to see where uh, Keith Thurman is as far as, like, his overall safety is concerned. But, you know, um, we were talking earlier in the show about, you know, the uh, fight that's coming up on Saturday between uh, Manny Pacquiao and Adrian Broner and the possibility of Adrian Broner scoring the win over Manny Pacquiao and what that could mean for the welterweight division. Uh, as far as like opening up uh, possible matchups there between Adrian Broner and the uh, top contenders, uh, they're at welterweight, and you know possibly a uh, Broner versus Thurman later in the year uh, could possibly work, um, depending on uh, what happens with Broner if he does get the win over Manny Pacquiao. Uh, but if he scores a knockout over Manny Pacquiao, then uh, we probably won't be able to you know shut Broner up. For the next few months, if he does uh, get that, um, but you know, here with uh, Thurman against Lopez, you know, uh, uh, if it's the same, you know, Thurman that you know fought the, you know, likes of, um, you know, the uh, Leonard Bundus and Julio Diaz's and Soto Carras's of the world, and uh, you know, up to a certain point, Luis Colazo as well, he should be able to get this win and get a knockout. Um, but you know, other than that, that's pretty much what I expect out of Keith Thurman. Um, I'm gonna start with Mike Grady. What are your expectations for uh, Keith Thurman coming into this fight? Well, you mean the uh, best welterweight in the world, that Keith Thurman? Well, I, I think, guess that's what your expectation is. I expect Keith Thurman to probably he say that he gonna come out trying to like make a make a statement, but I think that he will be cautious and 
let me think about it. Jose Cito Lopez has gotten a more aggressive, in my opinion, later in his fight. So maybe he does come at Thurman, but because Thurman was hurt, but I don't know. I think I mean, of course, Thurman gonna win the fight, but I don't know if he'll win it by a decision, or will Lopez be cautious because he know the guy that's in front of him, somebody that can hit him with a sledgehammer. But in terms of Thurman's, um, you know, prospect moving forward, as long as he is the same guy that he left, I mean, he he's the the top two welterweights, you know, like which one the best, they got to fight for me to say that. But um, he the top two, and as long as he jab and keep his jab out there, then, I mean, I think he'd be tough on anybody. His movement and jabbing, he'd be a tough out for anyone. And, uh, you know, we got to we gotta see who the best between him and Spence. Like, this, like yeah, get your little tune-up fight, but at some point you need to fight Spence. Like, I think you you've done enough, like, not fighting Spence. Like, yeah, Spence could fight some other people too, but we want to see who the best. I want to see who the best between those two. Well, I mean, yeah, if he's able to, you know, work his jab like he did against, um, you know, Sean Porter and Danny Garcia, uh, he should be able to have a uh, fairly easy fight here against uh, Jose Gito Lopez. Um, But, yeah, after that particular fight, you got to see what his next step is going to be. Um, if he's going to um, uh, be able to, you know, step up and fight the likes of, a, you know, Errol Spence or, you know, maybe a, uh, you know, rematch with Sean Porter or, you know, possibly the winner against uh, Manny Pacquiao and Adrian Broner. So we'll see uh, what happens with that. Uh, Terrell, what are your expectations going into this uh, fight? Well, first of all, it feels like, Thurman has been going so long. Uh, it's, it's his name is Rogan because he, because he, you know, because what he achieved. I mean, this guy has wins over Porter, wins over Garcia, and was at uh, pretty much prior to Spence at the top of the welterweight division. Debatable, you know, as far as who was number one prior to Spence. But like I said, he's been going so long. He's back. I'm glad he's back. Uh, he himself has, in fact, he stated he has come back to reclaim everything that is his. Right. Which means the number one dog in the welterweight division. Uh, of course, we know he's injured. Uh, things like that, personal issues, well, not issues, but just marriage and stuff like that, traveling the world, whatever he's doing. Uh, what are my expectations? Uh, I don't, I don't have no great expectations for this fight because I don't see what we have to work with. You know, is he going to be sensational? We know that Jose, Jose uh Lopez has been up one uh, to come in. And fight tough. He has uh, I, I forgot how many losses he has, but he's not he's he's not coming as as a, as a uh, just a lay down. He's coming to fight. He's coming to win. We know that. But uh, but more so about Keith Thurman. Uh, what do we have? What what product do we have? He's going to present to it to the public. Uh, it's going to be average. It's going to be sensational. And what kind of hints will we see that? Will we see that that uh, that his fighting style that we're accustomed accustomed to seeing? the relentlessness, the power, things like that, uh, being able to adjust, is he still at the championship level? Will this fight tell us that? Likely no, but it will give us a good gauge of where he's at physically, mentally, spiritually, things like that. So what do I expect? Not a whole lot. I'm just just a weary wait-and-see approach. But but like I said, his main statement, he said he's come back to take everything that was here. So 
that's a very bad statement. Given the landscape of the welterweight division, given the the people that's out there, we know there's so many so many opportunities to to get back to the, to the top if that's what he truly wants. So my my thing about it, uh, just to kind of reassess, is this: I want to see, I expect to see what's in his heart. You know, because like he's gone for so long and now he's back. It does he really want this in his heart to really get back to the top? Like he's just worth to say that. So that's what I'm looking forward to seeing. True that, true that. Um, you know, you got to see, like, where he's at as far as, like, his overall level of, you know, interest in his uh, professional career because it just seemed like, you know, after he got his uh, surgery done, it was like he didn't really have much of a rush to get back into the ring. So, uh, you know, that's what I got out of him uh, in his overall layout. So we got to see where he's uh, overall drive is after this particular fight to see if he's willing to prove that he is the uh, top worker out there. Um, Matt, what, what you got uh, as far as like, his fight between uh, Thurman and uh, Lopez and where, where Thurman is at, at this point of his career? Man, you know, I've been very hard on Keith Thurman for the past year or so, but I've been I've been watching the interviews. I've been hearing the interviews. I, I've been seeing the videos of Keith Thurman, and I got to tell you, Mr. One Time is back. You know, I can see the fire in his eyes. I can see that he, he, he feels disrespected. And if you look at Keith Thurman's record and his resume, he shouldn't be disrespected because before there was an arrow set, before there was a Terrence Crawford, Keith Thurman beat all the guys who were considered the top guys at welterweight. He beat Danny Garcia. He, he, he beat Sean Porter when, when that was a thing, you know? So I think that Keith Thurman, when he says it's a get back here, I think what he's saying is that he wants to get back all the haters. That's what I think. So I, I'm kind of excited to see what it is he's going to do. I hope that he tries to get some rounds in because I think he could toy with with um, Jose Cito Lopez if he wanted to. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets him out of there, but I hope he gets some rounds in in, in the meantime. And, and I think that this is going to be a surprising year for Thurman because I think he's going to end the year considered the best at 147 pounds. Now, whether or not he does that by fighting Spence remains to be seen. But I think that if he doesn't fight Spence this year, in 2020, it's going to be a big pay-per-view showdown between him and Spence for the right to be called the best at 147. Terrence Crawford's not even in the conversation. You know, he, he could continue fighting, you know, the the... Jose Benavidez is the Jeff Horns and the Amir Condor. He can do that. The top dogs are all at the PBC, and they're all going to be fighting each other. It's going to start this year, and I think by the first quarter of 2020, you're going to know who the best welterweight in the world is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that. I, I want to pose a question to the. After you get done, Dan, I want to pose a question really quick to the panel before the fight starts. After you get done, sorry. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah. the thing with uh, Keith Thurman is, yeah, like I said, he, he's going to get through this particular fight, and then they'll just uh, see 
where where he's going to be at as far as like his next fight after that. I think um, a rematch between him and uh, Sean Porter is uh, going to be in the cards, and that you know he's and there's going to be a bigger fight between the two as it's going to be for you know unified championship. You know even though uh, Thurman had the WBC title. Uh, at one point before going on on that layoff, but are, are we sure think it's gonna be a big fight? Yeah, I think that, yeah, man. I was I'm sorry, but I'm not I'm not impressed with this. I'm not, especially after his last fight. I'm not. You know, I think you know, even though he has like the length out there, I, I just don't think he's gonna be able to put all of his punches uh, together well enough to keep uh, Sean Porter off of him. Uh, and Sean Porter will be able to make his adjustments to him like he did against Danny Garcia in order to win that fight. So, yeah, I got Sean Porter winning, winning against uh, Ugas. Uh, yeah, I got, him, I got him winning that fight. So, that's what I got. Um, yeah, go ahead and uh, hit us with the question there, Mike. Who's Kotagi, Caleb Plant? Who wins and why? I don't think Caleb Plant will have what it takes to keep keep uh category off of him. You know, he may have the defense, but I don't think he has, you know, the uh, power to keep him off. You don't think he's slick enough to avoid him? He may be slick enough to avoid him in the early rounds, but I'm trying to see if he has enough power to get, you know, to get category's respect. And I don't see it, I don't see that happening. Uskadagui uh, is some 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 killer now, where where somebody needs to earn his respect in the ring. I mean, it's not like this guy's some sort of world beater. Like, what the hell? What, what are we talking about here? <laughs> He's strong he and he got good win, right? <laughs> I didn't say he was a killer. I'm just saying that I'm not really, I'm not convinced that Plant is that good enough to keep him away. Like it, it's not like like I'm not putting Plant at the level of like they were saying that like Caleb Plant uh, ha- has like the skill of like a Floyd Mayweather like he has the style of Floyd Mayweather. I'm like, no nah, man, come on, no nah, son, no nah, he's not he's not he's not near that. He got nah. sweet hands though. That's why they call him that. Uh, sweet man, uh, yeah, he may have sweet hands, but he better he better have a solid chin. I I tell you that. <laughs> Listen, but we have to we have to remember that Caleb Plant he's really motivated. You know, he he's been dying for this shot for years. He was supposed to get his shot, you know, uh, a couple years ago. Then he had the whole tragic uh, incident with his daughter when his daughter passed away. Um, he he's finally where he feels he belongs. So if if we're ever gonna see the Floyd Mayweather and him or whatever people said about him, if if, if 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 it's not tonight, then we're never going to see it. So I think you're going to get the best Caleb Plant you've ever seen. Now, whether or not you believe that's enough to beat Jose Us category, it remains to be seen. Yep. Well, what you got on it? No, it's kind of like what we talked about before. It's like, you know, we know that his category is definitely the more offensive fighter on this. And like I said, we're not saying he's a world beater, but he's certainly the more offensive fighter in this regard. Uh, Kayla Plant is his hallmark, his defense. But at the same time, uh, James, what you're relating to, Kayla Plant is not throwing back uh, 
punches up substance to gain the respect of his category as his category is going to come uh, throwing, throwing punches right down the middle over and over because he doesn't respect the power, the power coming back from, from Caleb Plant. So what do we expect? Uh, let's say Plant known for defense, for the most, that's his hallmark. But once again, at some point in time, you have to either counter or get on the offense yourself and be the, be the guy coming forward. You can't just keep fighting off your back foot, hoping to win a fight. Keep in mind, like we all say, you have to go and beat the champion. It's not going to be given to you. Uh, he has his, his personal things that that, motiv- that motivates him coming to this fight, like like Matt said, the loss of his daughter, things like that. Uh, it hopes to have a towel shot for a long time. It's now here. So once it, now you have to go and beat the champion. And kind of kind of one thing that we saw last year uh, in regards to a few fights, the the, the Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, uh, Triple G, Canelo fight, judging. Judging was definitely an issue last year. And we're going to see now with judging being an issue this year going forward in, in major fights. Uh, it definitely decided the future of the Smilers last year, and it's going to just do the same thing again this year. It's just a matter of when will bad judging come up. And I'm not, I'm not saying that this, this, this fight's going to be a bad, bad judge, but never, it's something just definitely to consider. Uh, you think some, one guy's want to fight, and then bam. <laughs> and the new champion is so that's something to consider as well. But I mean, bottom line is 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 a good mixture of styles. But like I said, uh, the opportunity is there for Plant to go and get it. You have to go and get it. So let me give it to you. Yep, exactly. He has to go out there and get it, and that'll require a little bit more activity uh, than he's you know had in his uh, you know previous few fights where. He didn't necessarily have to do that in order to win this fight, uh, but here against uh, the guy that's just more active, that's what we got. That's what we got going on uh, out there. Are, are you guys um, watching this first round? Yeah, we're watching it right now. I mean, you know, he, I, if you squint really hard, he does kind of look like Floyd in there. If you squint, I mean, um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, he got the depth of the body going. He got to get in, get out. He, he's, I don't know. He looks kind of good. Uh, where that Philly show defense? <laughs> you got to I don't see that lead right here neither. Where, where the lead right? <laughs> <laughs> Yo. <laughs> hey, uh, but before, um, before we close out, I wanted to revisit something uh, since we got – you know, Mike uh, here and uh, Matt here before the uh, he fight out. He fight out of Floyd Jim. I don't know. But now I don't think so. Never no plan to be, um, you know, there for me with a gym and then like that. So I haven't really seen okay. that. Um, the uh, fight uh, for the WBA regular and welterweight championship, Pacquiao Broner. Uh, what what's your thoughts on that? I'm gonna start with Mike first. Um, Broner not gonna win, but it. But the the interesting thing is how he not gonna win. Does he not win by by being in pre- prevent defense, which is the most likely case, or do Pacquiao take him to deep water and drown him? I think it's more than likely he's going to not win by being in prevent de- prevent defense. He is who he is, and we shouldn't expect anything different. That's my thought. 
I wish I could say something different. I want to say something different. Uh, I started to look at Pacquiao differently now since he, I guess, been on PBC. But, uh, oh, oh, Caitlin Plant just did uh, Mayweather. <laughs> oh, Matt got me over here. Either that or the, um, he just did the Mayweather. Either that or that uh, thing with the, um, who was it, Billy Joe Saunders against uh, Lemieux. <laughs> yeah, Lemieux. Yep. Oh yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, that's my thoughts on it. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, but yeah. You I just gotta I see if Bronner's gonna be active. I think Bronner's gonna beat Pacquiao. I, I don't know. It's just it, How it, so? it just has to happen. You know, Bronner oh, at some point is he just never gonna reach what he what we thought he would reach early in his career? Well, I never thought that, but what people thought would reach early in his career. I have to think <laughs> that this is it for him. I have to think this is it for him. I'm taking Braun up by late stoppage. Mm. Do you believe that, or that's what you that's what you hope to happen? Both, but uh, I'm taking Braun up. You know, it's just it's so you just think- something about the way AB looks. I've never seen him this focused before. He looks. But he he got abs now. When was the last time you seen Adrian Broner with abs? He got abs now. Young this dude Young AB. Like he's in tip top shape. The Is he gonna throw punches like Young AB? Forty seven. Say that again. Oh, uh, oh, Caleb. Hey, let's go. Hey, Caleb Plant hurt him. Caleb Plant hurt him with a with a jab. Oh, son, what the hell? Listen, I told you he got sweet hands. See, he got sweet hands. He got sweet hands. Let's go, Plant. Let's go, Plant. I want him to win, too. He got to win for his girlfriend. See, you know she on PBC. Jab. Yeah, yeah. That was a good knockdown. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, I mean, the last time, you know, we saw him, you know, pretty much completely in shape was, you know, before he went up to 147, either that or, now nah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say against that fight against Steel fame because he really had to be in shape still. But, you know. He almost got he clipped right now. He yeah. almost get clipped. It always just looks like that when, when you're a defensive genius. He almost get clipped. You see everything <laughs> coming. He got, listen, yeah. this guy, you know what? I'm ready to say it. JR, we have a new white Floyd Mayweather Jr. I'm sorry, Billy Joe Saunders. Caleb Plant is the new white Floyd Mayweather. Look at this. This guy's good, man. How's his win, though? That's what I'm asking. Because you know, Caleb, because you know, uh, Uskatagui can go for, for like quite a few rounds at this same intensity. Mm, how many late stoppages does he have, though? He doesn't have many late stoppages. Darrell, that's a uh, top. Well, uh, used to be a top fighter. Yeah, but Darrell don't have the dog in him. He's not like his brother. He don't. He don't. Yeah, his brother there comment. He his brother there is commentator too. Yeah. <clears throat> Boy, man, Plant looks good, man. So yeah, we're gonna. That man hurt him with a jab. No, I think uh, he went down more from being off balance than being hurt. 
But that no, the jab stunned him. That first jab he threw stunned him. I saw his eyes glaze over. They looked like some looked weird after he got hit by that first jab, and then he hit him with that hook. Mm-hmm. Man, look at your eye. See, like, is, is your eye that you got jabbed in okay? That's what that lady like. <laughs> he's like, yeah, he's, he's he's all good. We will see. We'll see what happens here uh, uh, for the result of this fight, and uh, we look forward to the next episode of the uh, Boxing Source Radio Show coming up next Sunday. Uh, thank everyone for calling in. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what's going on over there uh, in the BX, but um, <laughs> maybe there's something going on outside of them apartments. I'm hearing some sirens going down. Hey, hey Matt, you might have to uh, you might have to duck and dodge a little bit or something or whatever's going on over there. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> In the meantime, uh, yo, I'll, I'll uh, catch y'all on the next uh, episode. Of, like I said, end of every show. Uh, point of boxing is to hit, like you hit, not to stand and trade. On that note, I'm out. Have a good evening, everybody. <laughs>